Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. It is marvelous to have you in the house today. It's an honor and a pleasure. We're continuing our series, which is entitled The Classics. Someone say The Classics. Been doing those every year for years now. And I just, I, I think I, I thrive in the classics in telling Bible stories. I love it. I'm not the best storyteller in the world, but I do love finding revelation in stories and what God has put in the Word for us. And how many of you know everything is in Scripture for a reason? Everything. Everything's in Scripture for a reason. No accidents with God. It's there because God wants you to see it and feel it and understand it and get to see what people have done with great faith, with little faith, with no faith, what to do, what not to do. There's all kinds of things we can learn here. So today, the title of my message is True Greatness. True Greatness. I'm going to talk about Jesus when he was 12 years of age. So I don't know if you've ever noticed this before. Many of you know, know the story. But let's go, if you would, let's go to Luke chapter 2, verse 41. And we're going to read the little text here. And this is fascinating to me. So look at this. It says, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Somebody say, go to church. These folks were faithful. They were good Jewish folks. They did what they were supposed to at that time before the new covenant. So, man, it was one of the requirements of the law. You go, you go celebrate the, the, the Passover festival, and you try to get as many people together as you can. And let's keep going. They were good Jewish folks. When Jesus was 12 years old, someone say 12, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. You ever left a kid behind? Amazing that. How can you misplace the Son of God? I was wondering that. But he's a kid. He's 12. They thought he was in one place. He, you know, he's a kid. Who knows, right? He's coming to terms with who he is. I don't know exactly where he was in his mind at this, this point of understanding who he was. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. Oh, boy. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. You imagine them going, oh, my gosh, he's my responsibility. Like the salvation of the earth depends on him and we lost him. I don't know what thoughts are going through their heads. It's just me. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple. Of course, Jesus was at church. Amazing. Sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. I want you to focus on that. Put that up again for me. Would you backtrack? He was sitting among the religious teachers, the Pharisees. Someone say Pharisees. You know, the ones that are going to persecute him later. He's getting to know them and how they operate. But he was humbly listening to them and asking questions. Fascinating point. Let's keep going. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Yes, he was God in the flesh, but he still had to learn just like you and me. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. Look at his response. Very innocent, clear response. He said, but why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? 
Different translations say something close to that. Some say about my father's business, right? Some, you know, but they didn't understand what he meant. Didn't you know I was going to be here doing God's work? <laughs> they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them, look at this, and was obedient to them. Kids, you got some kids in the house? You have no excuse, you obey your parents. Jesus was 12, he's God in the flesh, and one translation said he subjected himself to them, he was submitted to them, he was obedient to them. His earthly parents, he was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things, wow, what, in her heart. Hmm. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, right, and in favor with God and all the people. Now look at that verse for a moment. He grew, in, he grew spiritually, and he grew in the relational realm, and he grew in the physical realm. Do you see that? So he's growing spiritually and physically and in relationships. He's very well balanced, all right? So Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and all the people. Let's pray one more time, if you would, please. Let's ask that the Lord teach us something through all of this. Father, we thank you for today in this moment, and I thank you that you're speaking through us, speaking to us through your word. Holy Spirit, communicate to your people, to the sheep of your pasture today. Through the words that I speak, may they be your words. And Lord, we thank you. We're not here to waste time. We're not here by accident. We thank you for your word in this moment together. We will seize it in Jesus' name. Amen. So you're going to see that these areas that I bring up today about Jesus' life, his true greatness, some folks lack in all these areas. Now, let this message speak to your heart. Let it convict you. This is never a condemning message by me. You know I'm not one who brings condemnation. I want to bring truth so that you be convicted. Convict, conviction is, wow, I need to change that area. I need to repent. I need to grow. I can do better. Lord, help me. Or it's going to reaffirm and confirm different things. All right? So pay special and close attention today. You're going to see that some folks lack in all these areas. Some lack in one or two. You're going to see where we need to grow. Point one today. Look at what Jesus had here. Submission or obedience. Now, for some reason, the enemy has impacted the world to the point that people are scared to submit. You start talking about a woman submitting to her husband in public. If that gets out there in the world and people have a hard time with it, they've had poor authority, they've had problems, they've been abused and mistreated and, and taken advantage of, and they go against the word completely and go, I'm not submitting to my husband. I'm, that means he's going to do whatever he wants with me. No, when you submit to the right man of God, he's going to always take care of you because when you're married to a good man, he's going to treat you women like Christ treats the church, and he's going to love you like Christ loves the church. Submission is not a dirty word. We see that because Jesus himself, Scripture says he subjected himself to them in all things. He was obedient to his parents. He was submitted to them. Now, that's a good, wise, and humble decision. Did you know it's very hard to learn something from even the greatest of teachers if you won't submit yourselves to them or yourself to them? If you're arguing, if you're defensive. I know I have my own weaknesses, and I've known some of the times that I, I learn the least is if I'm worried about defending myself and not being humble. This is a very wise and humble decision by Jesus to submit to his parents. It's hard to learn when you're not humble. Let me say that again. Let me say it one more time. It's hard to learn when you're not humble. When you're humble, you can learn something from anybody. 
You can learn from the worst examples. Why? Because you learn what not to do even. You can learn, I'm not going to do that. You can learn, man, you know what, I'm learning this. I'm learning how to deal with someone. So we see that as Jesus is submitting himself, even when he's sitting at the Pharisees' feet, it's developing character in his life. He's learning all about them, but he's learning about his parents. He's learning about us on planet Earth. You say, well, isn't that what everybody does? Yes, he was God in the flesh, but he's learning all about planet Earth and how we do things, the family structure. I, don't, I do not believe that Jesus knew everything all at once. I don't believe that. I believe God set himself in a place. Scripture says he set aside his divinity, and he came down to earth as a servant, as a bondservant. So he put himself in a position where he could learn and be humble and learn as he goes, and he was submitted to authority. You see that he submitted to his parents. He submitted to the teaching and authority of the Pharisees. I mean, to sit there for three days at church? Come on, everybody. He was at a three-day Passover festival post-conference, is what it sounds like, listening to Pharisees, the religious leaders. And they had something to teach, and he was learning and listening. He was asking questions and giving answers. He was learning because he was submitted. God has always honored obedience to his word. And let me tell you something, folks. I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, especially kids living at home. You've got to obey your parents. Boy, it was quiet. You've got to obey your parents. Now, if you're 55 and your parents are still commanding you and you're obeying them, I think there's an imbalance there. You may need to get that checked. You're going to honor your parents for life. You submit and obey them up to a certain point. It doesn't mean you ever get disrespectful in your, to your parents. And parents, I mean, you've got to find the balance too. You can't be commanding your kids and telling them how to run their lives when they're 58. All right? It uh, could be a little imbalance. So you always honor your parents. Is everybody listening to me? Jesus provided the example here. Always honor your parents. And, and I find it fascinating that his mom, she didn't ever command him. Did you notice that the, at the, when he was an adult, she didn't, it doesn't show that she commanded him in Scripture, but do you remember the wedding at Cana of Galilee? Remember when mom pulled the fast one? She said, hey, uh, son, they're out of wine. He said, Woman, what does that have to do with me? She didn't command him. She went to the head chief of ceremonies. And what did she do? She said, whatever he tells you to do, be sure and do that. He knows what he's doing. She never commanded him. She handled it as a wise woman. You know, women have a lot of power. Did y'all know that? Y'all ladies, use your power for good and not for evil. You have a lot of sway. You have a lot of power. And look how Jesus was submitted and obedient and godly. Even as a grown man at 30-ish, we know he was 30, 31, we don't know. But that's when his ministry began. He was still submitted to honoring his mother, even at that wedding. That is interesting. So God has always honored obedience to his word, to parents. That is one of the commandments, is honor your parents so that you can live a long life. It is a commandment that is attached to a blessing there. There's a benefit to it, even in the Ten Commandments. Honor your parents so that you can live long. Jesus was teachable. Someone say teachable. Very teachable. <laughs> if you're not teachable, you're not going to learn. Is that simple enough? If you're not teachable, it's going to be very difficult for you to learn anything. So don't ever forget that. All right? Much easier to learn if you're teachable. We see the point one today that Jesus, he was in full submission to the authority at that time in his life. So someone say submission. One of the attributes of Jesus' life that made him great. Now look at point two today. 
because he was submitted, it led to wisdom because he learned and applied while sitting under people's authority, under his parents, under the Pharisees even. He sat and learned from them. It began to give him wisdom. He learned how people operated. And here's what's interesting about the wisdom that Jesus obtained, even as God in the flesh. How many of you know that him sitting at the Pharisees' feet was preparing him for years later when he had to go to battle with them every time he preached? It prepared him, didn't he? He knew exactly what they were thinking. He knew what they did and didn't do. He knew what they commanded. At some points, he said, these are blind leading the blind. At other points, he says, do what they say, don't do what they do. Do exactly what they're saying because they're commanding you right, but they're not obeying it. He knew them from top to bottom, inside and out, forward to backward, and all because he had submitted and he was humble, and it began to give him wisdom. He knew how to act on things. That's what wisdom is, when to act, good timing, when to speak or listen, how to treat people, how to handle popularity. Did you know you need wisdom for that? How to handle popularity. We know that I'll mention more about Jesus and that area here in a moment how to deal with money you see celebrities you see some of the stuff they do with money they never achieved wisdom i remember mc hammer one of one one of the parts of his story why he had to file bankruptcy at some point you remember mc hammer a god-fearing guy in many many ways i believe he's saved and a minister these days but at some point he was leasing all kinds of properties for all of his homies can you imagine your money's going to run out you're renting High-dollar properties for people and family. Some of that's not wise because the money eventually runs out if you're not wise with it, right? There wasn't wisdom there. Wisdom helps you in dealing with getting attention. How many of you know little babies? They can't handle constant attention all the time. It makes them spoiled. That's why you teach them wisdom. Did you know spankings bring wisdom? Not abuse, but spankings. I don't believe Jesus ever had to be spanked, right? Scripture said he never sinned, so obviously he was never spanked. But wisdom teaches you how to deal with life. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 1.24, and look how important it is to God that you understand who Jesus is in relation is to wisdom. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, that's everyone. Someone say everyone. Christ, Jesus Christ, is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Scripture says one greater than Solomon came to them and they didn't recognize him. The Pharisees didn't recognize him. He's the power of God and the wisdom of God. So Jesus is made to be wisdom unto you. If you'll worship him and obey him in fearing God and knowing who Jesus is, he becomes wisdom to you. Look at this. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 1.30. God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit God made him to be wisdom itself. You ever noticed that verse before? That is something, isn't it? God made him to be wisdom itself. It says in Revelation, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So in honoring Jesus, you are prophetic. You say, I'm not a prophet. Nope. You are speaking prophetic words in honoring Jesus and giving your testimony about Jesus, and you're also speaking perfect wisdom. He is the Word made flesh. He is God's embodiment of wisdom. All right? Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. And what else? And He freed us from sin. But He's been made to be wisdom to us. All right? Now look at this. I'm going somewhere with this. I mentioned it a while ago. Go to John 2.24, if you would, please. Scripture's talking about He didn't trust the crowds. He didn't trust folks. Jesus didn't trust them because He knew all about people. 
He'd had experience with people that gave him wisdom. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. And some of that is because he was God, and some of it is because of his experience with mankind in dealing with men and women. Let's read that again. Let's back up a little bit. Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. And no one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. He knew what people's motivations were. He knew what their motives were all about. He understood people, and it came from the wisdom that he operated in. So you see that his submission, his obedience to his parents, it began to give him wisdom as he was all God and he was all man. Is everybody still with me? What a fascinating story. God in the flesh went to church. Scripture says it was his custom to go to church. So you are showing wisdom to show up on a Sunday morning. You're showing wisdom to show up on a Wednesday night. Tune into the live stream to hear the word. You're showing wisdom when you seek wisdom. Are you with me? You're showing wisdom when you fear God. Scripture says that is the beginning of wisdom. So we see that his submission and obedience to his parents, even sitting at the Pharisees' feet, learning the law, it led to wisdom. And as he's acting on wisdom and being the embodiment of wisdom, he is wise, he does wise things. It's going to lead to something else, and I'll get to that point in a moment. But how many of you have seen grown adults, maybe you've done it too, let's just say we, making some of the craziest mistakes? Or have you seen other people, maybe they're not here today, you say, man, what they did was absolutely stupid, and they should have known better than that. And that's a harsh word, you say. But I've watched people do stuff, and it doesn't make any sense because they're not operating in wisdom. Ask teachers about kids in school these days. They do some of the craziest stuff that doesn't make sense. And that's not everybody. There's lots of factors. There's drugs involved now. That, will, will that rob wisdom? Drug use? How about alcohol? Can that rob wisdom? You're not your wisest when you're drunk, I promise. I promise. You don't even remember stuff. No, that is, that is not a wisdom giver, all right? may give you courage, but not wisdom, all right? It's not liquid wisdom. It's liquid courage. There's a big difference. And it's false, false courage. Man, I remember a guy years ago telling me, he said, man, when I was on meth or cocaine, he said, man, I thought I could fight, I could beat up anybody. I was the biggest, baddest dude in the world. That sounds dangerous, right? Wisdom comes from fearing God and obeying Him and doing what He asks and being submitted and obedient. So we have submission and obedience that Jesus operated in, a large part of His greatness. Then we see wisdom. Someone say wisdom. And that leads us to number three, point three today. Someone say favor. Did Jesus have favor? Yes, Scripture says it. That last verse of the first text. He grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. That is something you need to confess over your life daily. Our parents taught us that growing up. I have favor with God and I have favor with people today. God is favoring me. He's making his face to shine upon me. People are favoring me. Favor changes everything. Can you imagine if Jesus did not have favor? And he went out and, and he's, he's, he's doing these miracle services and nobody shows up there's no favor but how many of you know there was there were crowds and crowds and crowds at one point they had to break through the roof of a house because they heard he was at a house healing people and teaching and they dropped a sick man a paralyzed man down through the roof to jesus because they couldn't get to him he drew crowds because of his favor and i know he was having the greatest fish fries and all you can eat buffets in history that helps but he had people showing up, and he's multiplying loaves and fishes. He's healing the sick, and it just fed on itself. And the crowds grew and grew and grew. God was getting his message out, his message of the kingdom and salvation and the only way to heaven through Jesus. 
All because Jesus had favor. He was a people magnet. Haven't you ever had a situation where someone says, I don't know why I'm doing this, but okay. My wife and I, we showed up in New York before her surgery in October. And it was a day or two before surgery. We had some plans. And you know, you know my wife, and I brag about her in this area. She was making it fun. Man, she's in pain, but she says, let's see New York together. Let's make it fun. So we went on an adventure. It was delightsome. She says, you were, your eyes were so lit up. I said, I know. I didn't even know I'd like New York. Some love New York. I have a strong like bordering on love. It's fun. I got to get out of the city after a while, but I like visiting. And so we went to a place. It's called the Top of the Rock, the Rockefeller Plaza, you know, where the famous ice rink skating rink is and the famous Christmas tree. Well, at the top of that, there's some kind of a special plexiglass on the 60, I think it's the 68th floor. And you have a view of New York that's just about 360 degrees. You walk around the top of that roof. Well, we brought our tickets. We'd bought them in good faith. Jen had bought them and set up the day. We get over there and they go, well, what time are these tickets for? And we go, oh, we bought them believing they were for any time of the day. And they go, no, uh, you'll have to come back at 930 tonight. Jen looks at me and goes, we got to do something. Just stay with me here. And I go, I'm with you. Let's do it. I'll do whatever you think. She, she is tenacious with a capital T. We get in the building. We go to one line, right? And they were kind to us, but they said, hey, you're going to have to go downstairs and get in line. We go, okay. So we go downstairs, and we're trying to explain what's going on. And we get downstairs, and we ask a lady. Jen goes, what about that lady? So I ask her kindly, and God begins to give us favor. Now, you got to remember, we'd paid... Good money for each ticket, probably 70 bucks each ticket. So that's $140, and 930 at night, and her surgery's looming. We're not going to be able to come back to that same place the next day. Oh, man. So then we go to talk to a lady, and she takes us in front of about 100, 150 people who are in line and skips the line and just stands us up there near the customer service desk. And we're standing there, and I'm like, Lord, you're going to have to do something because th- we've come this far by faith. And so it's one step after another. We're down where we need to be, and we ask for somebody. Was her name Robin? I don't remember. And we're going to need to talk to her, so we're standing there, and she was one of the sweetest people you've ever met. She said, hey, y'all, how are you doing? And we explained what's going on. We bought these in good faith. Man, here we are. We want to just, we can't come back tomorrow. We can't come back tonight. She's not feeling well. We got to start just giving the truth of the matter. She goes, hold on, just hold on. She acted like a believer. She was so kind and loving and patient and starts to work her magic in the computer. Well, we didn't know what she was up to. That's how people do it when they're working on the computer, just like that. And so before we know it, she goes, okay. And she has printed something out and initialed some passes and goes, she she said something, and Jen may remember, she goes, just show these wherever you need to go, and it's going to take you past lines and all kinds of stuff. I don't remember exactly what she said, but you can go right now. Go ahead. We said, okay. So we had our initials. I still remember that R. I should have taken a picture of it. R something, Robin something. And we start walking, and we still didn't know what we had gotten in the favor that God had given us. We knew we'd been favored. We're going to get to go right then. That's all we could think of. All of a sudden, we're on this elevator headed to the 68th floor, and we're up, 69th, 70th floor, whatever. And then we get up there, and we watch. We look around. We're up there maybe an hour. I don't know. We just really took it in, took pictures. And we start to leave, and we see the lines leaving, and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people waiting for the elevator to go down. And Jay goes, baby, would you just try? Would you just talk to somebody and show them those passes? A faith move. I go to show 
the pass at the front, and they go, oh, yeah, skip the line and go all the way around, find that guy, see the guy in black and white, talk to him. Okay, so here we go. We bounced our way up through people. We began to bounce our way down. So we start going to people, and it was favor, 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 favor. People were going, oh, yeah, no, you don't need to be in this line. Come around. And they were opening gates for us. Come on. And taking us. And it took a few minutes to get around all the lines. I can't imagine what it would have been like to be in all the lines. But God's favor was on us, and God's hand was on us. We, it wasn't a sob story. It was a true story. My wife's having surgery. This is what we want to do. We don't know when we're coming back. We need to see this. And, man, we began to just bunny rabbit hop at all the lines. And before I knew it, we were at the front of the line waiting at the elevator, and it took minutes, and we're headed down, and we got to see everything. And God's hand of favor was on us. You ever been in a situation where God just keeps giving you favor? Someone goes, oh, you know what? We're not supposed to do this, but. Okay, get out of here. Jesus had that on his life because he was submitted. He was obedient and honorable. See, God set up all these, these boundaries and rules, and he actually went by them when he showed up. He, he didn't have hall monitor syndrome. You ever seen a hall monitor when you're in school? They're talking the loudest, but you need to shut up. Not all hall monitors are that way. But God set up all these things, and he went by all of his own guidelines and boundaries. And he showed up, and he was submitted and obedient. He walked in wisdom, and I believe the wisdom that he showed began to put favor on his life. There's a special anointing. But did you know when you walk in wisdom, it puts favor on your life. That day that we were asking, we were wisely going through all the right channels to get up to the top of that thing for the view. We were. It was just so important to us. And I saw how important it was to my wife. And we needed to do this. We've been waiting. It's supposed to be spectacular. And as we operated in wisdom and treated people right, asked respectfully, told the truth, God opened doors. And sometimes you're wise and you do everything right and people say no. And you've got to be able to be okay with that. But God is still giving you favor. Really. I've had favor after people told me no. I remember I spoke to a judge one time in a nearby town. I accidentally was speeding through a school zone. Didn't even know. Oh, it was not good. My wife and I went through. I was driving. I was talking. I was excited. We were headed on anniversary vacation. And, oh, man, they got me. The cop was so angry with me. I just humbled myself, treated him right. I mean, that, that would have been bad, smarting off. I didn't know. I was way over the speed limit. Well, I eventually had to go see the judge in this local, this little small town. And the judge says, sorry, my grandkids crossed that street. I still have to give you a ticket. I see that you have a clean driving record. We're not going to put this on your record, but it's going to be $350. The answer was no still. I operated in wisdom. I was submitted to authority. The answer was still no. But that day, it was interesting. I'll never forget this. I was so honorable and respectful with him that he cried. <laughs> but he still gave me a ticket. I, I thought as soon as the tears started flowing, I thought for sure I'm not going to have to pay. I had to pay. But I handled myself wisely. I treated him right. And I believe I had favor in there. And it's good because my brother has to deal with people in the county. Can you imagine later on there's like, Sinna? You related to Matthew Sinna? That guy was a devil and a jerk. Man, he came in here and he acted up. He yelled and, you know, he didn't want to pay. And he said he's not paying. And no, uh-uh. I acted respectfully. And I believe God continued to pour out favor on me. So as you walk in divine authority, and you're submitted and obedient to God's authority, to his wisdom, you'll see that people begin to pour favor out on you. And that's true greatness, just to honor God. To truly, truly be great in God's kingdom. You want to be great? Jesus said, learn to be the servant of all. Say, 
submitted, wise. It's wise to serve and love people. You can have your boundaries, but you submit. You walk in wisdom, and then God pours favor out on your life. How many of you want and need favor in your life right now? Even for situations right now, we need it, right? All right, praise God. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. True greatness is being like Jesus and being Christ-like. If it's wisdom, true wisdom, to seek God, and in wisely seeking God, He begins to pour favor on your life as you're in a relationship with Him. Remember those things. As I ask you, have you ever accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If there's anyone in this house, are you cur- courageous enough? I don't care if it's one or two. This is between you and God right now. It's what we call a holy moment. It's been set apart. It's a different kind of moment. If you have never accepted Jesus or made Him the Lord of your life, would you please Raise your hand for me. I'm going to pray with you. We're going to pray as a family. You say, man, if I died today, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. I don't know if I'd go to hell. I don't know what would happen to me. If that's you today, raise your hand, and we're going to pray with you. We're going to pray as a family. Please raise your hand. want to make sure that you have what we call life everlasting, eternity with the Lord. Got to confess Jesus as your Savior. Anybody in this house? All right, and that's true wisdom. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Thank you for your courage. God bless you, sis. Let's agree in faith right now. Everyone in this house, say, Heavenly Father, please forgive me. Say, I can't save myself. I need the blood of Jesus for forgiveness and to be part of your family, Lord. Cleanse me. Change me. I can't do it without you. I need you, Lord. I call upon the name of Jesus to save me. And I confess, Jesus is Lord, my Lord, and my Savior. Say, I believe Jesus died and rose again for my sin, to save me from hell and from myself. I'm saved by faith. Thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Let's take a little moment here. That same spirit of reverence, I want everyone to stand to their feet. If something from this message touched your heart today or God spoke to you about something, I really want you to just let it settle in your heart and we're going to pray about it. I believe God spoke to many of you through his word today because that's how he speaks. He always speaks through his word. Whether it's an audible voice, reading of the word, listening to the word, someone telling you something about God's word, it always got to line up. It's always got to line up with God's word, but that's how he speaks to us is through his word. And in, in, in alignment with his word. So if you would, raise a hand to the Lord. Let me pray a special blessing over everyone in this house. Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for your people, what you're doing in their lives. Lord, I thank you that you're showing favor to them as they walk in submission to your word and humility and wisdom, Lord God. And I thank you that you're teaching us daily by your spirit and by your presence, Lord, through your word. Speak to your people. We need you now more than ever. Right now, we seek you for you. We'll talk more about miracles later. We're believing for miracles constantly. But Lord God, Lord God, right now, we need the miracle of the powerful, profound relationship with you and the wisdom that brings and the favor that brings, the salvation that brings. Lord, we call out to you. We need you today more than ever. 
We honor you today, Lord Jesus. We thank you today because you're faithful. And we trust you, Father. And I thank you for all these attentive and humble hearts and for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, somebody said, Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering if you would.